Ever need something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. Life's always changing. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit Aaron's.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. The Sport Dog promise to customers is simple. Gear the way you design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Using tracking equipment on my squirrel and coon dogs is extremely important to me. Get 20% off your first purchase using the code BEARGREASE. Go to www.sportdog.com slash BEARGREASE to learn more. My name is Clay Newcomb, and this is a production of the Bear Grease podcast called the Bear Grease Render, where we render down, dive deeper, and look behind the scenes of the actual Bear Grease podcast. Presented by FHF Gear, American-made, purpose-built hunting and fishing gear that's designed to be as rugged as the places we explore. Well, we've got an eclectic group of turkey hunters here from my hometown of Mena, Arkansas. And uh, did anybody think it was funny when Coy, Coy House, a storyteller on our last story, Turkey Stories podcast, said, Steve, my grandpa. Everybody knows Steve. <laughs> well, they do now. <laughs> yeah. Steve Phillips is here. Coy everybody, House's grandpa. Everybody knows Steve. Everybody knows they Steve. Do now. Glad to be here. Everybody in the world. Steve Phillips is here. Coy House to my left. Coy, nice you did a good job, here. man. Thank you. Didn't y'all think he did a good job? It was oh, an yeah. excellent sure. job. You bet. He, you, I, think you're the, you know. I think you're the youngest uh, feature guest on the Bear Grease podcast. Because you're a feature guest if you're if you're on the actual Bear Grease podcast. You know, so this is the render. For, for people who maybe have not Listen to Bear Grease before. Bear Grease podcast is a documentary style podcast where we do these kind of in depth stories. The last one that we're going to talk about today it was a was a stories podcast. We had eight different storytellers, and Coy was one of them. Nineteen years old, man. Yes, sir. You did good. Well, thank you. Thank you did good. That man's taught me just about everything, right there. <laughs> yep. I guess I better give him credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So to Coy's left is. Longtime friend of mine, Joe Lyles, who is now a retired 
Forest Service law enforcement agent. That's correct. The only we're, reason you're here is because you're retired. <laughs> I am. I'm retired now and retired from United States Forest Service as a full-time law enforcement officer. We're going to come back to you. Okay. Let me introduce everybody. Sounds but good. Joe Lyles, Steve Phillips, and then my dad, Gary Believer Newcomb. Good to have you, Dad. Thank you, sir. Yep. Good to be here. Dad's got a story on the next podcast. So we're gonna we're doing two stories podcasts. Two dads left is Andy Brown. Andy, always good to have you. Good to be here. Man, for real, Andy's a hero on the Bear Grease podcast. <laughs> he is, he, he, everybody I talk to, I mean, people not from Arkansas, people from wherever. Uh, Renella, Steve Renella, he's like, Andy Brown, man. He, he, on, from, the, from the Louisville Edwards stuff. All the stories, so it's always good, always good to have have Andy. But um, Joe, you you're how long were you in law enforcement for the Forest Service? With the Forest Service, I started in September of two thousand. Okay, and I retired at the end of this year, so I had just a little bit over twenty two years. And you were a Arkansas Game and Fish game warden for a period of time. I was for three and a half years, and before that, I started under Sheriff Mike Oglesby. In 1992, reserve, part-time, worked a little bit with the city PD, and then went to the Arkansas Game and Fish, and from there I went to the U.S. Forest Service. Mm. But the other career before that, I was I was an aircraft mechanic for several years. Okay. But I always knew that I wanted to be in law enforcement, so that's where I went from there. And a lifelong turkey hunter. Since 1983. Mm. That's when I killed my first turkey mm. in the very early 80s. Yeah, yeah. Now, if I recall... On the Louis Dell and Charlie Edwards podcast, your name came up because you were involved. You didn't, I think I said that you were the one who gave the ticket to Louis Dell for not having a license, but I was wrong. You were I there. I was there at that time, yes. And <laughs> very much I was right there by him. And Terry Lunksford was actually the Ter- one who Terry wrote the Lunsford, ticket. Terry Lunksford, who was, at the time you were Game and Fish. Is I that was. Right? I was with the Arkansas Game and Fish at the time. So, tell that story real quick, or, or just kind of just a short version of what happened, because that's where your name came up on Bear Grease before, Joe Lyles. You know, we were over east of their camp, and we pulled up just talking to them, and then we got through to talking a little bit and said, well, we've got to see license. And, you know, Louisdale just, you know, he came out and he didn't have it. And then he got to blaming Bertha. He said that Bertha didn't didn't buy his license. So Bertha does everything. Yeah, that's what it was. He Bertha got to, is his you know, wife. Yeah, he got to blaming his wife, and so Terry Terry ended up writing the ticket. But that's yeah. that's the story in itself. Yeah, yeah. It was just it started off as a casual contact, and then one, Bertha got blamed for everything. One of, the, one of the few tickets that Louis Dale Edwards ever got. How many tickets have you given Steve Phillips? Oh, we, I, I'm sure I'll zero. be called out on Steve a lot Quicker, of stuff here. Steve Quicker yeah. said zero. Yeah. Well, uh, Joe and I go way back. Way and, back. And, and it's kind of like what's, what's happened in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's our, you know, how we are. You know, I there met Joe go. one time during deer season. I was over in my side-by-side, and I had been over there deer hunting, coming back over from Two Mile. I met Joe. Here he was. And he pulled over, and he rolled his window down. He said, what are you doing? I said, I've been hunting over here. He said, is that gun loaded? And I said, well, hey, expect me to kill anything if it didn't. (laughs) End of story. I drove Mm. off. Mm. You just don't ask anymore. (laughs) You just don't ask anymore. You just don't ask anymore. (laughs) Joe, I met you one time in the field. 
I remember, remember that. You, no, I remember you telling me that. But you know, unless something really stands sure. out, I mean, you're doing you it meet, every day of you, your life. You meet so many people that you know, unless even people that you've you know written violation notices to. If something doesn't stand out, you just don't remember. It. You sure. know, you write so many of them, but yeah, you know, go on with your story. Well, it, there's, there, it's not a great story. I was out at, I was out, I don't want to say where it was, in, in National Forest, and I'd been baiting bears, and it was in August, probably. This, it was early on in baiting bears, and y'all had a roadblock. Came around the corner, and there was just a big Forest Service roadblock, and you know, two or three trucks, and kind of a truck across the road. It felt like. And I pulled up, and uh, and you were the guy that checked me, and you just said, you know, you recognized me. Then you're like, what are you doing? Well, I'm baiting bears, and you checked my, I think you checked my registration and stuff. It wasn't it wasn't hunting season. I didn't have any guns, but anyway, yep. I have a Joe story. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> Here we go. Another one that I've known well, for years. Well, one day uh, he called me at the office, and he said, Andy, I've got a picture I want to show you. And I <laughs> said, okay, bring it to the office. So him and Jimmy Martin show up at our office. <laughs> And he's got a... Who's a, another game warden? Huh? He's got an 8 by 10 picture. And he said, they, they come into my office, and he said, shows it to me, and he says, who's that, who's that guy in that picture right there? I said... And what we've got, we've got a guy walking in front, and we've got a guy carrying a gun behind him. And uh, I said, I have no idea. I said, he ain't very big. And he said, look at him. And I said... I said, I really don't know. He said, look at his hand. He had a finger missing. <laughs> but I said, he said, but that's not you. And I said, no, that's not me. He oh. said, we know who it is. Yeah, We know the story. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, they brought that to my office really? to show me that. Yeah, I've never kicked him around about that, but I can't hear on live <laughs> podcast. Because <laughs> they thought it might have been me. Really? Oh, yeah. So if somebody... Do, trespassing There's not a lot something. of people don't have one of those. Yeah, missing. Andy's missing is, is and right. I think it's actually in Oklahoma. Ring finger. Wasn't it, Joe? Um, no. Was it, it not? No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move wow. on to the next one. <laughs> we'll talk about that one here in a little bit. Oh, but anyway, uh, that's my Joe story. That's, yeah. a, that's a good one. That That is a good one. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I, I went on a – the reason I'm dressed the way I am – I went on a nine-mile mule ride today in the National Forest and uh, didn't see a lick of turkey sign. Found a shed horn. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping we'll have a good, you know, a decent turkey season for, for Arkansas. You know, they say we've lost 60% of our birds from our peak, which probably would have been in the 90s, early 2000s maybe. But maybe more than that in some places. I think probably these guys could all attest to the fact, talking about looking for turkey sign. Guys, I can remember whenever leaf in, in the woods was turned over. Back in the 80s, you know, and even up into the 90s. But, I mean, the woods, turkeys made a lot of sign. And, you know, you didn't have to hear turkeys to go turkey hunting. You just went and found sign. That's what I looked for, was just scratching. I believe, like you said, it looked like a garden tiller. It looked like you took a tiller and just went it in there did. and just rolled the leaves. Mm-hmm. And one time uh, I was uh, with my Uncle Ari. It's actually during muzzleloading season. Anyway, we was in there north of in the in-laws. We was in there at what we call Shore's Place. And Uncle Ari got in the, in the first low notch, 
And I went on up the top of the mountain and uh, walked east at the top of the mountain. And I can remember getting out on the east end of that thing. It's real briary and on top. But I got over on the north side. When I walked over the north side, I'm telling you, as far as you could see, there was turkeys eating devil horses. They was they, devil horses. Just, the ground was just working alive with them. Now, what's a oh a walking stick? Walking, walking stick. Walking, yes. walking yeah. stick. Devil horse. Yeah, devil horse. Okay. <clears throat> anyway, they would just walk up and just pick those things off them bushes on them low. But the whole mountain, I have no doubt there was a hundred turkeys right there that I was looking at. I mean, for hundred and fifty yards, it wasn't nothing but solid turkeys from the top of the mountain to the bottom of the mountain. Unbelievable. Mm. What year was that? That would have been about 80, 81, somewhere in there. I think you and Mitch went in there one time with, didn't you take uh, Bill Norman in there? Bill Norman. Yeah. Bill Norman Lures. Yeah. yeah. And because mm. Mitch and I were in there, that would have been 1990. 1990? March of 1990. I think we heard 18 gobblers. Ain't that day. crazy? That's still to this day the most I've ever heard in one day. Mm. I want to say it's 18. Mitch still talks about that. It was, they were everywhere. Hmm. And, you know, from years of patrolling, they're not there. Oh. You know, I would go months and not see one. You know, they are not here. Yeah. They're just not here. You I'm know, when they say 60% have disappeared, I think that's, I think that is light. I mean, it's, you know, you, as well, many as we had and you lose 60%, you still 40 would still be really good hunting, I yeah. would say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I, and that's I a statewide. That's a statewide <clears throat> figure, you know. Which, yeah, different places would would be different. You know, there's still counties in the central Ozarks that have pretty decent turkey hunting. I mean, you can go up there, and those guys they hear us talking, and they're kind of like, "What's the big deal?" But here, yeah, it, it, you're right. It, it's probably way more than that. Yeah. But it really is. It, it, you know, a lot of people have heard me talk about my grandfather. Gary's dad, Lewin, who was a bird hunter, a quail hunter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the last 25 years of his life, all I heard him do was lament that we didn't have quail anymore. And it's it really is a bummer because turkey hunting um, really kind of builds a culture in an area, especially if it's good turkey hunting. I mean, everybody's a turkey hunter, and their kids are turkey hunters, and it's 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 fun to go. And, and boy, when they're not here, people aren't turkey hunters. I mean, you just – people just – Kind of, I mean, I'm talking about myself. It's, it's like it's hard to get up the, uh, it's it's hard to get fired up to go when they're just not there, you know. Right. And it, it and like my kids have not had the e- exposure to turkey hunting that I had because we just didn't we just didn't have turkeys, you know. But uh, anyway, that's that's not it's a it's a bummer to have to talk about that here, but it's kind of the reality of where we're at. But we're going to talk about. The good, the good side of turkey hunting, which is, it's a lot of fun. Steve, Dad was telling me that you told him about a story. So you listened. To, did you you listen oh, yeah, to the I podcast? To the podcast. It was awesome. Yeah. Which which story was your well, favorite? It what I told Gary. What related to me? I don't know that it, there were several of them that was my favorite, but uh, the one about where the guy flicked the cigarette in his pocket <laughs> yeah. and caught him on fire. Yeah. And burned him. You know, I, I don't smoke, so that didn't happen. But I can tell you, Andy Brown and I, we decided <laughs> to go hunting. We'd, we'd heard some turkeys a uh, couple of days before. So we got up bright and early, and, and we went in and parked, and we had to pull up this. I'm telling you, it takes you 45 minutes to get up it. I mean, it's straight up. 
So we got there double early that morning, and we got out and had our little flashlight and little hat lights on. And I always, if I had a dollar for every mile that I followed him in the woods over the years, you know, I'd I'd be a rich man. <laughs> and so we start up that hill, and we're, you know, we're both in really good shape. And uh, we're going up that thing, and it, it'll get your breath. And then all of a sudden, oh, Andy, he gets up there, and he takes a step, and he slides back about two steps. And I thought, what in the world happened? And uh, he said, what was that? He turned his hat light on. We didn't have our hat light on at the time. We were just kind of going by the moon. He turned that light on and looked, and there was the biggest pile of bear scat that was smoking. It was mm. fresh. I mean, he stepped in it and slid back down the mountain early. <laughs> and so he said, he's right here somewhere. Anyway, <laughs> we're both boogered up, you know, going up this thing looking. We didn't check it. this evening. It looked warm. We get up to there and we get set in and we, we set up and we give a call. Old Turkey answers us down there in the bottom. I said, boy, we're in the chips right here. So we put in on them, and they were gobbling their heads off, just gobbling and gobbling. Well, they came, and as they came to us, instead of coming up that leg to us, they turned and they went around us to our left. And him and I are sitting side by side, and we have to just watch those turkeys. There's two big gobblers. They just go by us right up over the top and off down, and they go. Well, we let them get out of there, and we walk right up on top, and we give it a little bit, and we call, and they gobble off down in the bottom. And I told Andy, I said, come on, let's go. He said, Steve, we can't eat. Them turkeys are way down there. Well, he'll tell you, used to, when I first started turkey hunting, if I could hear one, there wasn't a turkey too far to go to. If he was two miles, I was going to him. And I said, well, I'm going to him. He said, I'm going to stay up here on top. But I'm not going to go to him. Mm. So I headed off down the mountain. It took me about... The teacher lets the young grasshopper yeah. go out on <laughs> yeah. his own. Yeah. So off down through there I go, and I get down. Finally, I catch up to that turkey, both of them. I catch up to them, and I set up on them, and I call them, and when I do, they just cut me off. And what I didn't realize is when I had sat down, I sat down in a big old ant pile <laughs> in those big black ants. And here I'm looking about 65, 70 yards down there, and here comes these two turkeys in full strut coming, gobbling. I've got my gun up on my knee. I'm sitting in an ant pile. All of a sudden, <laughs> I start feeling ants in my pants. I feel mm. ants coming up my shirt. <laughs> ants are coming out through my top of my shirt in my head net. They're running all over my head and my face, and I'm locked in on that turkey. When he gets up there close enough that I think I can kill him, I shoot him, and I do kill him, but I immediately, he goes to flop, and I drop down and strip all of my clothes off <laughs> because I'm trying to get rid of the ants. <laughs> and to this day, that's probably the biggest turkey. He had an 11 and a half inch beard and weighed 22 pounds. Mm. I walk You're up, not lying, are you? I'm Remember not what lying. Coy said? Right. Andy, tell you, that was the biggest <laughs> turkey. And the other one flew and flew right in there towards Andy which he he didn't get on him, you know. Mm -hmm. But I had that turkey on my shoulder, and I'm coming up through there, and he owls me up there, and I look, and he said, did you get him? I said, no. He said, you're lying. You did too. So, <laughs> yeah. But that was my biggest so turkey. you had to strip down right there on the oh, side yeah, of the mountain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, I have you heard that story before? I've heard. I think I've. we've almost covered every single turkey that he's killed. Why don't you uh, tell me the second story that you told me? about taking your little brother 
Take will you, will you tell me home. that story? Okay, yeah, of course, yeah. So my little brother Ryder, um, he's on my dad's side. He he wanted to go. It, it was youth opening morning of the youth season. He wanted to go turkey hunting, and we have uh, this private spot that we had picked out, and we had went and, and roosted one the evening before, gobbled his head off. I said, "This will be chip shot." He's up there on this ridge. We'll get up here, and we'll kill this turkey. Well, long story short, we got up there, and I set him up. Turkey gobbled good. We got up there just right on the break of that ridge. He was just off the other side. And uh, Now, how old's your little brother? At the time, he would have been, I'm wanting to say, 11. 11 at the time, 11 or 12. He's he's 14 now, so it would have been two or three, two or three years ago. Um. And the turkey gobbled. He gobbled. I didn't call him. I said, just get ready. He's going to fly down. He's probably going to land about right here on top of this ridge. I said, just get ready. About that time, a turkey just quit gobbling. He wouldn't gobble. Wouldn't say a peep. Wouldn't say a word. Well, I mean, nothing. We sat there for another hour. Nothing. I heard him. I seen him actually fly down and pitch off into the field. But once that happened, he, I mean, he left. He had some hens with him. So I said, let's let's go up to another spot. This spot, uh, National Forest around it, there's a private. I have permission to hunt, but National Forest wraps around it, and me and him been hunting it for two years. For some reason, that was a hot spot. Mm-hmm. And there, how many do we hear? Eight, nine, ten, and just a little hundred yards. Oh, yeah. To, I mean, I mean, it was, yeah, a little pocket it was awesome. So anyway, so we went in there and drove back into National Forest, and I said, by the time it's 1030, and I said, Ryder, I said, if we get one to gobble, I said, we got him, son. I said, by this time, he's, the hens have done left him. I said, we've got him. I get out of the truck, and I grab the old slate call, and I just, <coughs> he just cussed me off right there. And I said, let's go. I get excited. I mean, he can tell you, Paul can tell you, I, there's just something. I don't, if I ever lose the, lose the excitement, I better quit hunting because I, it's just something that eats me up. So we could drive on down, and we get out of the truck. And we walk down the road. We get in there, and I called nothing. And I called nothing. I said, we're going to dig in. We're just going to dig in. We didn't have nothing else to do that day. I said, we're going to wait him out. So we dug in. We sat there for, I mean, it felt like a half a century. And we're just kind of talking back and forth, kind of goofing around, you know. And, and all of a sudden, that turkey gobbles. I mean, we're sitting just off on a on a little break. There's a little road. It kind of goes like this. It kind of makes humps little like that. Just off the break, that turkey gobbles. I mean, you're not when you're least expecting it like that. It about scares the peewat out of you. So I said, "Get my lap, get my lap." So he gets hey, in that's my a lap. New word to me, peewat. Peewat. <laughs> well, there you go. I have to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets in my lap, and I just turn my head, and I just real soft and he just cuts me off right there let me hear your gobble again <laughs> he's got a good gobble and i said get i said get ready i said he's gonna come right down your gun barrel and i said when i say shoot you shoot him well, that turkey come and hit that sucker put on a show i mean he out there he danced around he drum he spit and he he gobbled right at us and then he drum and he he crossed underneath a dead log and come up and i told Ryder as soon as he passes this tree i said shoot him well 
I, little did I know, I guess I was shaking a lot more than he was, and he was in my lap, so I was doing the whole number of shaking. <laughs> you were shaking him. Oh, I was shaking him, I guess, something terrible. And he shot that bird, and I knew he shot him low because that bird flopped, and then he started to kind of get up. And I threw him out of my lap, and I took off running. And that, about that time, I got almost to the turkey. That turkey got him, got underneath himself. He got his feet underneath him, and off with the races we went. And I, I took off running, and he's yelling, "Do you want me to bring you the gun?" And I said, "Not yet." And I was running down the mountain as fast as I could. That turkey's doing this, and I'm doing this with him. Well, I leap, and I grab a hold of his tail feathers, and I pull all of them out. Mm. I mean, he didn't have a single tail fan. <laughs> I grabbed a hold of the turkey, and of course, you know, and I and I ring, you know, stepped on him and held him up, and he come running down the mountain. He said. I was trying to catch up to you. I was trying to bring you the gun. I said, don't worry, bud. I said, we got him. I said, we got him. But I said, you ain't going to have no tail feather. You ain't going to have <laughs> yeah. no fan to fan <laughs> out. A great but I said, no you got a beard. And, but that was his first turkey, and that was that was a great moment to be able to share with him. So. That's great, man. Here's a simple but meaningful gift idea for your mom or grandparent who lives across the country. A digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pictures of all the things that they can't be there for, from family vacation to their grandkids' graduation. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BEAR. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com, promo code BEAR. Terms and conditions apply. I've had a Helix Sleep mattress for over two years, and it is for sure the nicest mattress that I've ever slept on. I've slept much better in the last two years, been more comfortable than I have for my whole life. And that's true. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, the newly released Helix Elite Collection, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. Take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes, and your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com clay and use the code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet and won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Ever need something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? Let's chat about how to get what you need when you need it. You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech like computers and gaming systems. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. And you can pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But here's the cool part. Say you're renting a 65-inch smart TV and decide you don't want it anymore. At Aaron's, you can return it at any time. Or maybe you want to downsize to a 55-inch or upgrade to an 86-inch. You can do that too. Return it and take home something new. Life's always changing. With Aaron's, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. 
So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit Aaron's.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. Dad, which which story on that series did you stood out to you? They were all excellent. I mean, every stinking one of them. But I got to thinking the tie goes to the runner, but this isn't baseball, is it? Softball. Whatever you want. <laughs> so I said the tie goes to the kid, man. I liked Coy's story. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, the, the the fire on, I mean, all of them were just unbelievable stories. So I, I just go with Coy's because he was, he's such a baby. Look at him, just a little old bitty guy. Played football, damn it. Played college football. Look at him. <laughs> Yeah, you liked Hank Berdine's story too. Oh, I did. I love those Mississippi guys and yeah. old Roy. I love, I love the way he talks. Oh yeah, I, I, man. I, you know he'd go. I, I, I can't even repeat how he talks, but it was just, un, it, it just made the story. Mm-hmm. You know, he had this turkey did. I mean, what would he say instead of taking it to the taxidermy? Yeah. Fixed. Fixed. Yeah, he had it yeah, fixed. Yeah, we'll get that turkey fixed. <laughs> hey, Roy Clark. Roy Clark is. Well, we just did a big film about him that came up this week on the Mediator YouTube channel, a whole a film that he was kind of the star of. He really is a relic, and that's a, a great descriptor of, of what he is, a relic of Appalachian culture, and he has the strongest, best accent for that East Tennessee that I've ever heard. He, 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 I love that guy, and uh, he's a, y'all wouldn't know much about him. I said it on the podcast, but he's a He's as good a bear hunter. I mean, those guys have killed. I mean, Roy Clark, I don't even want to say how many bears I believe he's killed. I mean, it'd blow your mind legally. I mean, they, but he's a bear hunter. But you, he doesn't even talk about turkey hunting, but I was at his house one day. I said, you know, he, he had turkey beards and stuff around. You know, I knew he was a turkey hunter. I was like, how'd you do last year? I mean, this is when he's in his 70s. And he said, oh, I killed five last year. <laughs> he killed three in Tennessee and, and two. In, he From his house, you can see North Carolina. So the North Carolina border is just like a mile from his house. You <laughs> kind of see off down the mountains. But, yeah, I, I, just I like just hearing him talk is funny. Yeah. And, yeah. and like I said in that podcast, when you're talking about stories, people kind of expose different parts of their life, like, like Coy did when he said, that his grandparents let him drive to the to the to the place when he was fourteen. I, I like that. And then Roy Clark said, "Yeah, them old boys come up through there and they was a drinking, and uh, <laughs> and I knowed one of them could tell the truth. And, yeah, uh, one of them could tell the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I knew one of them was pretty truthful. I think's what he said. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, it's just it's just funny the details that 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 you know some people would put in there. But then that was a heck of a hunt. You know, they hunted that white turkey." For 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 you know for two weeks on public land. Did you see that turkey when you were at his house? Oh yeah, it's beautiful. It really is a beautiful yeah, turkey. Yeah. I put a picture of it on my Instagram. Yeah, it was a beautiful mm. turkey. But yeah, Roy Clark, he's just fun to hear talk. And then Hank Burdine, the guy from Mississippi. Is he the guy that? Uh, well, he shot the gobble. He shot the gobble. That's crazy. He said he left his window down. You heard me comment yeah, on it. He yeah. said he left his window down so that yeah. his wife would snuggle up next to him and so he could hear those turkeys gobble in the morning so he'd yeah. get out of bed. <laughs> uh, no, Hank, Hank is uh, he's uh, I, I, I wasn't joking when I said that he is like an ambassador for Mississippi. 
He's a big writer. He's he's written several books all about the South, and those guys. So he's from he, he's from a suburb of Greenville, Mississippi. Okay, in Greenville, Mississippi, it's on the Mississippi River, is where he said in the at some point in the last hundred years there were more writers per capita in Greenville, Mississippi than anywhere in the country. There were a lot of uh, southern writers that came out of Mississippi, and and it's kind of a it's kind of unique being around because Hank's a writer. Uh, Robert Hitneal Jr., the guy that told about the the flaming turkey, uh-huh. he's a he's got, written fifteen books. Um, I don't. They just think different than a, a lot of the guys I've been around. It was interesting, and, and he had all these writing buddies lined up. A couple of them couldn't come, but uh, but they 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 have choreographed stories that they tell. Like Robert Hitneal Jr., he's eighty one, and I mean you know he's told that story his whole life. But I mean they just kind of. They just kind of have the way you know the way they tell that story, and Hank tells stories like that too. But uh, no, I, li- I I like those stories. But, you know that bird. I'm thinking he said that bird can't. You know he shoots he shoots the bird. Somebody shoots the bird. They miss. The bird comes back the next week, and and he's he's doing this, shaking his head like he's gobbling, but he's not gobbling. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, going, yeah. man, the last time I gobbled, yeah, I mean, everybody's yeah. shooting at me. Yeah. So, so yeah. he wanted to gobble, he's shaking his old yeah. head. Yeah. Oh, man, what a story. The old Hank. Almost old as Hank. good as Coy's. Mm-hmm. And this is old grandpa right here. Hey, and you know, you know, I started the, did you notice I started the podcast with Andy's story? Yeah. I did that on purpose, man. I got get got to get them hooked to get them coming in, man. Well, see, hey, one thing, Steve, don't even remember. You know, he's getting old enough to where his brain's getting <laughs> a little soft. But the first time he ever turkey hunted, I took him. Okay, and then within two weeks, yeah, it's about time we settled. I'm telling this. you, within two weeks, he was a better turkey hunter than I was. <laughs> And, now, Steve, is that the way you remember it? <laughs> oh, I don't, have, he don't, I don't remember. remember that. He don't My remember. brain is Here not we go. that old. <laughs> you know, we would we would uh, scout deer together, and, yeah. and it, when turkey season rolled around, I said, hey, man, let's go. <laughs> he didn't know anything about it. He didn't know anything about it. So I took him. Of course, I taught him a lot more than Andy did. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> So anyway, he don't even remember it. But Clay Baby was the same way. I mean, here, this stupid little kid running around school. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't know what a turkey looks like. Well, I take him out and get some goblin, and I take him to my little private area, and I swear, within two weeks, I'm, I'm, I'm. You think I'm kidding? Within two weeks, he can call better than me. He's already killing birds on his own. Steve was the same way, man. I mean, I'm like going. I'm kind of like a Ned in the third first reader. I think they used to say. <laughs> You know, but uh, they, you know, they learn so, real quick. So when Steve, you got a do you lot remember going hunting with him? Do you know, we we went deer scouting. We, I, deer scouting. Yeah, that we. I, I can't remember. I can't remember, I remember us about actually. your turkey hunting. Is that little goofy looking gun you had yeah. that you had that tennis ball or something <laughs> yeah, on the yeah, on yeah, the butt yeah. of that thing? Yeah. What was that, Clay? Did you it's ever a shoot Nerf that? football? Yeah, he's got a yeah. he's got a little short twenty uh, something inch barrel gun. It can't be legal. Three and a half inch Joe, magnum. is that legal? The I don't know nothing short. anymore. <laughs> the ge- the barrel's short. He had a he had a Nerf football, Nerf football, taped and camo taped to the back of it. So it the butt he, of it's about you know <laughs> four or five inches further than. So you got to put it way out here and then bring it into your shoulder. But oh it, yeah. 
it I don't shoot it. I shot it one time and about broke my finger. I think it'll kick you really bad. Oh man, it's a hoot to shoot, man. <laughs> what is it? I've told single shot? I've told your guys this story before, but I, I went to Little Rock to buy a gun. I don't know why <laughs> Little Rock, but that's where I was headed. And uh I walked into first Bucks and Ducks right around Benton. And I walked in and I wanted a a five hundred uh Mossberg or a eight seventy. And uh the guy said, Yeah. He said, I got a turkey gun right here. And he pulled that little, it's like a New England Arms camo, okay, yeah, real yeah. pretty little old gun. Plastic stock, forearm, <laughs> pick it up. I mean, it weighs nothing. And, and, you know, you can shove a three and a half inch magnum in that sucker. And so I said, hey, that's the gun I want. He said, the guy, it's used. The guy took it, shot it one time, brought it back. Said, man, you can't shoot that gun. I said, that's what I want. That's the gun I want. So I bought it. Brought it home. We pulled up right out here. Clay come running out of the house. Did you get a gun? I said, yeah. And Judy and I had to go to a, a chamber banquet or something. And he said, can I go shoot that, Daddy? And I said, yeah, take it. Well, I came home and his whole face, you know, was shot off. You know, it hit him in the face, lip, almost killed him. And True story. I don't like shooting it. More people. I used to take it out with, with guys just for the entertainment. <laughs> well, he, he and showed go, me that sh- gun, you- and I, that's something a city slicker would do. Shoot, I, the, shoot know, this gun, I, I mean. I thought, he has lost his mind Zach, with that little gun. <laughs> Zach Newcomb, I remember when he shot it, the, the thing almost came over his oh, head. Yeah. But, uh, it, it, you know, you put it over your shoulder, you don't know you have it. You only shoot a couple times a year. <laughs> You'd only want to shoot it a couple times a year. When I got that gun sighted in, you, I had to have it worked. I took it to Little Rock, had a gunsmith do a lot of work on it. And he got it where it shot real good and put a red dot scope on it. And to get it sighted in, it took, you know, I had to shoot 15, 20 times. <laughs> and that finger right there, I thought I was going to have to amputate it. You know, that gun had come back. Chair, yeah, and so he put uh, mole skin all on the trigger Yeah, guard. well, I, I put a, a jersey glove on and taped a cigarette butt right there on it. <laughs> so... And it'll bam. <laughs> I just got a charge out of shooting it. Yeah. But I finally got it sided in. And uh it's a good turkey gun. Do you still have it now? Oh yeah. He I showed got it to it me last right night. Yeah. yeah. In there. Joe, did any of those stories stand out to you? Definitely the one where the boy killed his first turkey. There at the end? Yes. That, Garvin that was, Gibbons. Yep. Yeah. That's the one. And because I can really relate to that, like we talked about before. That was Probably my most memorable hunt, my youngest daughter would have been Emily, would have been seven, 13 years old, and that would have been 2017. We went, we went to Kansas, and, you know, you watch the weather up there because what it's doing there is going to be so much different than here. So we, we strike out. We're going to Kansas, and the weather's bad going up there, but we knew that it was going to clear off that afternoon, but it, it was going to come later. And so we meet, you know, my buddy up there, and where we go, he's at the bowling alley. So he's bowling, you know, his bowling league, and he said, man, y'all know where to go. Just go on out there. So we've got a couple of farms right there we can hunt. So here we go. Is in an alfalfa field, and this one place we hunted, it's, the, it's a big trash pile. You know, I guess everybody around there on that piece of private just dumps their trash right there. Well, okay, you know, we're going to set up right here. And this is the afternoon. Mm. 
Mm. So we get to sitting and just calling and, and nothing. You know, but we know there's turkeys there because there's at that time, and even Kansas, Kansas numbers are even lower from where we hunt. Because mm-hmm. where we hunt now, there's only one bird limit. But you could kill mm. two there at the time. So we set up and kind of like Coy says, we just, we get dug in. We set him behind some cedar trees and cut a few limbs off and get our decoys out there. Call for a couple hours. Nothing. Just nothing. So we thought, well, it's, it's getting late. So let's go on in. We'll get us something to eat. We'll come back in the morning. We wake up that morning. Weather's awful. You know, it's just what you thought it was not going to be. It's awful. So we're kind of depressed, but we thought, you know, we're nowhere we're going to go. So we just went on out there anyway. But where we went, and the ground was horribly hard. So that night we went to Walmart and bought some boat seats. You know, weird mm. colors all they had then. I think I still have one on black and white. And, and But that's what we went out there and sat on. So we're sitting there, and it's getting daylight then. We ain't heard anything. And I'd be thinking if a turkey didn't gobble right above us. I mean, we could it, you, once it got light enough, you could see that turkey. And if we'd have just sat there that evening, he came in there looking for that hen that evening. So we were sitting there, and it, you know, it finally got light enough, and he's just gobbling every breath. I thought, he's going to get this turkey. So about that time, he hops off, pitches off right out in front of us. And she could never get on that turkey, never could. And she finally shot at that turkey, misses it, you know, shoots some limbs off. And I'm like, golly, that was close. And... So we were kind of depressed, and the weather's getting bad. It's still bad, you know, blowing rain. And I called my buddy. He was with the sheriff's office up there. And he said, man, just I know there's turkeys there. We were talking about going to a couple of different places. Got off the phone with him. Thank you for turkey didn't go. And we were, real, we were kind of out in the open field then. So we eased a little bit closer to, you know, there's a drainage up there. They've got drains and stuff. It's just a lot different country. So about that time, two of them got to go up. And said, so, well, you know, here we go. So we backed off again, just right against this little creek drainage and got to call in a little bit. Boy, here they come. So I set her down in front of me, and these turkeys come right in there close. And at this time, like I say, she's young. And, but, and I had her shooting my little Benelli M2, that little 12-gauge. It didn't kick a lot. And so she got in there, and she got right in my lap, and these turkeys came right down 30 yards of us. I said, you shoot that first one you can. So she shoots that thing and it just folds up. And I'm like, holy cow, she got it. And then that other one ran off and dang it, it didn't start just looking at that one. So I started making some fighting purrs and it came right back and she killed that turkey. Mm. So we went from just a low moment till she killed two of them. Oh, that's great, man. Yeah. And that was 2017. We've been back every year since and except for the year COVID. And she's killed turkeys one more time than we've left some years up there. We didn't kill anything, mm. but you know, that's my turkey hunter. And she, she still goes that's with great. me and she's going to go this year. She nice. is going back to Kansas. Oh yeah. I'll go to Kansas. <laughs> go to Kansas yeah. about every year. Since, you know, my turkey hunting buddy, Greg Burns, which y'all knowing well, one of the best turkey hunters that I know, you know, and you know, I don't think Greg's going to go with me this year, but you know, we're going to go back. And we talked about going to Oklahoma. You know, we've got a couple of spots in Oklahoma we go. And you'll see I've hunted in South Dakota, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And South Dakota is beautiful, too. You know? Yeah. And you know, finally, Clay and I went to Mississippi with Greg and the pharmacy up there, Terry. 
Yeah. And uh, we had, you know, we had a lot of fun in Mississippi. One of the mm-hmm. best turkey hunters I know. Yeah, yeah, and he's really good. Extremely knowledgeable man. You you can ask him anything, and he knows a little bit about everything. Yeah, and yeah. truly does. You know, not like when Coy says, "Is that the truth?" No, that's the truth. Greg knows a little <laughs> bit about everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he uh, knows a little bit about everything. Uh, the the Garvin Gibbons story at the end of that podcast, I, I had to include. I mean, that guy. He uh, he's killed twenty three elk with a bow before his accident. You know, out of all and, those, uh, that was what I enjoyed mm-hmm, his mm-hmm. just because of that. Um, to think he killed twenty three elk in twenty four years. In fact, I think maybe, and I'm not, I don't know this for sure, but he had a brother I think that worked for the same company I did, mm. and I, he had told me the story about his brother getting hurt in a tree stand accident. Really? We had had that conversation. Um, but I think the thing that intrigued me about it the most was the fact when he talked about how he's had to learn to get to a blind and have patience. Mm-hmm. And he, he's been killing more turkeys that way than yeah. he was ever was running and gunning. Not being patient. Well, and the thing of it is, and I don't think you would disagree with this, is there was a time with turkey that you could run and gun. But I think the patience deal now is just like it was back when I started hunting I had an uncle that would go get in a blind. He didn't go anywhere. He sat in the blind and called every 25 minutes. And his theory was, if they answer me, they'll be over here after a while. And he killed lots of turkeys that way. And I think it's trended back that way. Mm. You know, turkeys, they know the patent on every call that's out there. I mean, people, you know, you got to do something different. I mean, of course, like with me, I don't, I don't turkey hunt that much anymore. Um, but I just know I have killed a turkey the last two out of three years, but it was because it's too windy to go fishing. But anyway, (laughs) that's, that's the reason I went, but, but the, the trend I think is to, to call little and have patience. I think in his story was. That he he learned that that way, yeah. And I think that was really neat. That's a good that's a good observation <clears throat> to think that we're kind of getting back into that with the lower turkey numbers. Sure, you can't just pop along the ridge until you find one that's hot. Might have to sit on them for a while. You know, sometimes you think how many. You look back, like after I, even I listened to that him tell that story and everything, and I look back and I think, well, how many turkeys could I have actually killed if I just would have just sat there and. And been yeah. patient, you know, one might start gobbling way over here and you take off after him. But I mean, just think if I'd have just sat there, you know, so I, yeah. I really, that, you know, that story kind of hit home with me too. And it also, you know, uh, with his deal is you, you never know when your last thing, right. Hunt can be, you never know what can happen. Anything can yeah. happen. I mean, you can be out there and, and it just like, just like that. And yeah. It can be over with. You know, yeah, just like her and I, if we'd have sat there that afternoon, that turkey came in there that afternoon right. and he, he roosted right patient. there. And I want to add to that. I, I went back two weeks later and killed that turkey. And after she had killed those, I, when the regular season came in, I came back and killed that turkey. You know, I, I, and I was hunting have, with Greg at that time. I didn't have the patience to do that. And I knew, you know, I really knew better, but I'm just not geared to be a good deer hunter or turkey hunter, but I know one day at an area that was just like you said, Andy, just, I mean, tilled up the whole side of a mountain. 
and uh, wasn't a big mountain, but it was still on the mountain. And and I called, and I couldn't believe I couldn't get anything to gobble, man. Nothing was gobbling. And so, I, I, you know, I piddled around there till about 9 o'clock or so, and uh, finally I just thought, well, I'm, I'm going to call and just be patient. And I'm just going to sit here, but I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> and so... <laughs> I stretched out on the side of a hill, man. I was so I went to sleep, man. I was sound asleep. After you called a bunch, yeah, I, I called a bunch and went to sleep. And boy, I mean, I I hear footsteps all around me, man. And I open one eye, and there's two big old gobblers right there. I mean, they're not from here to that red chest. <laughs> yeah. They're looking at me like going, "What's a big old That's acre in there now?" Uh, so anyway, I, I tried. You know, I had my gun, but you know, I was I was ready to shoot, but I couldn't get on them. But anyway, mm-hmm. but patience is really golden. Yeah, I bet, I bet, I bet, I, all of us would have killed, especially with lower numbers, more turkeys if you just yeah. you know, if you sat there for two or three hours. Um, now I'm not going to spoil Andy's story. You're on the next one too, Andy, telling about a turkey that did something unique. Mo's story about that turkey flying across the valley. Have you ever had one do that, Steve? Fly in real far that you could see come in. Oh, come in to you? Yeah. Oh, it was, yeah. It was Mo, so Mo Shep, one one of Mo's stories was he had uh, he was calling in the evening and had a bird fly across a big canyon and roost, and he came back in the next morning and killed it. Uh, now, have you had you? Now you tell a story about a flying turkey. Don't tell that one because they're going to hear that later. But have you ever seen one fly to you across the big valley? <laughs> I went uh, I went one morning, um, and I, I don't know if, remember if I told you this story or not, but anyway, I, I had went uh, by myself one morning, which I don't, I've never liked to hunt by myself. I always like some, it's, it's fun to share, you know. But anyway, I went in one morning, pulled top of the mountain, and it come a huge rain the night before. And man, them old watered hollers were just, it just sounded like Niagara Falls. And, uh, when I got right in on top of the mountain, it was, I mean, I was up there double early, early, early. And just about the time I got up there, right out across a watered holler north of me over there on the top of a little knob, one put in. And all the goblin he'd done over there. And there wasn't no going to him because the backside of the mountain I'm on, it's just straight off right into a watered holler. You're going to have to cross the holler. And it was just a disaster. And I thought, you know what? I don't like to call a turkey on the roost, but I'm going to let him know I'm here. Now, this is early. I'm talking early, okay? <laughs> and so I stood there, and he gobbled four or five times, and he was gobbling away from me. And uh, finally, I just called real loud to him. And when I did, you could tell he turned on the limb, and he started gobbling right at me. Hmm. And I thought, you know that rascal? I mean, he's a long ways over there. I said, that dude might pitch out and come over here. So I just backed up there against a big pine tree. There's a little old saddle in the mountain there, and I kind of got my gun up on my knee. And I, I mean, it's it's not even close, I didn't think, to fly down. And all of a sudden, I just heard a <laughs> just, just just right out there. I said, Just like someone dropped I, one out of a helicopter. I, I said, that gun. That sounded like that dude just lit right out there. And 
he was kind of my, I had my gun this way and it was kind of my left. And about the time, the best I could describe it, it, I just seen the white cap, you know, on his head. He just come right up over the top of the, the mountain there. And I said, dang, that's that dang turkey. And I mean, it is early, early. And so it's just wide open. There ain't nothing between me and him but huckleberry bushes down through there, you know. And there's a little old tree about, I don't know, three or four inches in diameter down there. And when he when he when he walked in behind that tree, I moved my gun. Well I did, you know how they'll do. He'd give me one of these back by you know, he'd stepped in and you know, he wasn't he stepped out looked like that, and about that time he did, he just blew out of there like a quail. Really? He made a bad mistake though. <laughs> I I unwound him. I mean, I hit him with the whole, well, don't let me back up. What he did that, I just shot that tree nearly half and two down there. I mean, I never put a pellet in him. He just boiled up what he did. I hit him with a whole load when he went out of there. But he was, uh, and I know there was people in that country went, uh, that old boy shot that off the roost, but I didn't. I mean, I shot him on the ground, but he was a big one. Wow. But But he flew. I'm, I'm sure he flew a quarter to me across the hollow right there. Hmm. Here's a simple but meaningful gift idea for your mom or grandparent who lives across the country. A digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pictures of all the things that they can't be there for, from family vacation to their grandkids' graduation. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BEAR. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com, promo code BEAR. Terms and conditions apply. Ever need something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? Let's chat about how to get what you need when you need it. You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech like computers and gaming systems. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. And you can pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But here's the cool part. Say you're renting a 65-inch smart TV and decide you don't want it anymore. At Aaron's, you can return it at any time. Or maybe you want to downsize to a 55-inch or upgrade to an 86-inch. You can do that too. Return it and take home something new. Life's always changing. With Aaron's, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit Aaron's.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who's used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store. 
or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Hey, you guys are really good turkey hunters. Uh, what's the closest y'all have had a gobbler come to you? You know, I told the story here one time about having one right here. You know, I mean, have y'all had them? How close have you had them? I've Andy? had them. I had one Steve kill one morning that close. Remember that when Steve was gobbling right in my right in his ear, right in my ear. I couldn't shoot it. <laughs> I had to let him walk around. He walked up. Hey, well, no way I could get on him. I'm like this. He just come right. He was supposed to come up a leg to him. He was supposed to come up a leg to me. Andy's sitting up there calling, and there's a blowed down tree, and he walked on the wrong side of that blowed down big old tree. And I had to sit there and watch the turkey out of the left of my eye. He walked right up that tree, right up to Andy, gobbled and blowed his hat off. I had my face back. <laughs> it's beating Gobbled right in his face, but he wow. made the mistake. He turned and he come down my side of the tree. Mm. And I killed him. It old Steve killed him. Mm. I have got video, Gary. I've got video of a turkey gobbling. When he steps on my boot, I'm laid down flat, got my video camera, and I had already called this turkey up once, and I went around on another mountain, and he called him up again, and he gobbled, and he 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 flicks his on my he gobbles right he about from here to Andy's knee. He ain't and lying, I, I've seen. Coy, I was going to ask if you seen this video. I found, I found, I found it the other day going through videos, and I said, here, I showed it to him. I'm laid down, and that turkey's wings hit my boot when he walks off, and he walks about from here to Gary's side by side there, and mm. I call him again, and he gobbles, and he gobbles off the mountain, and that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> Do y'all know Kendra Marshall? Y'all all know her. Don't yeah, you? Oh, yeah. When she was a, when she was, uh, she was probably about fourteen. Kevin had to work uh, opening day of uh, youth season, and so I took her and Steve. I don't remember you took maybe John Barton and yeah. There was a whole lot of us out there, you know. Anyway, Kendra never killed a turkey before, and uh, anyway, we got in there, and I mean, we got in on there was there was a whole lot of them, and. Uh, I had a single barrel. I still got a single barrel Ithaca 20 gauge. And I had Kendra sitting right here. <laughs> and anyway, we got set up, and there was three big gobblers. And I I called them, and here they come. I mean, they just, they just, here they, I mean, they were just coming. And Kendra was, uh, of course, <laughs> you know, I mean, she was all excited. I was too. And I'm not kidding you. They were, it was kind of straight off. And when they popped up right there, they were no further than Joe. I mean, they wasn't 10 foot, 10, 12 foot. And I said, I said, shoot it. <laughs> I said, shoot that dude. Kendra, of course, the you know, the shot was, she just slick missed it. I mean, she never cut a feather out of it. And they just blew up and went everywhere. It's a single shot. It's a single shot. And, Anyway, Kinder had long face, and you know I was I was just sick for her, and I said, I said just let's just cool her jets. I said they kind of blowed out in different directions. I said let's just sit around a while. I said them dudes live will start gobbling again. So anyway, to make a long story short, we sat there about thirty minutes, and in a minute, right off down the mountain there, one gobble, and uh, um, I said. I told Kendra, I said, that's in trouble right there. So we got down there, and I got her dug in there. And, and uh, I called him, and shoot, man, here he come, just doing his thing. And he come up there, and 
<laughs> he got up there about 30 steps. And I mean, she killed him dead in the mackerel down there. You know, <laughs> that dude went to flopping. And I, she goes, what do I do now? I said, jump up, go get him. You know, <laughs> she's down there on top of that old turkey. But anyway, I mean, I've had him close, but that's about as close as, I mean, of course. But she was, it was, it was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. One of my other grandsons, Aaron Ferguson, I called his first one up for him. We went out to their place out there and. We had went the morning before on sat. We went on Saturday youth hunt and uh, got after turkey. Had set up a blind. They gobbled. Got hens with it. And we couldn't do anything with it. So I told him. I said, "We'll go back in the morning. I know exactly what he's going to do." So we got out there double early, and Aaron and I went across this little old cut. They got out there and pulled in on this leg. And there's a road up, and then there's a uh, skitter trail that runs down. Well, there's a big old oak tree. I mean, a great old big oak tree. I set him on the one side there where the skitter trail comes down, and I just got on the side of the big oak, and I called. When I called him, he flew off, and he gobbled up in the main road. Boy, every time he says gobble, I want you to gobble. (laughs) (laughs) He gobbled up. He hit it. (laughs) So I called him, and he gobbled two or three times. In a little bit, I told Aaron, I said, now look. I'm going to call them hens up first. They're going to come down that skid trail. And I said, just let them walk by. And I said, when you see that gobbler, I said, he's going to be bad close. He's going to be 10 steps or closer. Well, what I didn't realize when I set Aaron up, there was a little mound of dirt. He was sitting against that oak tree, but there was a little mound of dirt about three foot from him that was up. So that turkey, he, he comes down through there, and he gets the hens come. There was four of them, single file, and I'm watching them. I'm sitting there, and I'm looking. I said, there goes one. He's right behind them. I can see he's fanned out, and he's coming. And that turkey comes right in there, and he gets right there, and I hit that slate call just a little bit, and he's only about 20 yards out there, and he gobbles. <laughs> Indirectly, he starts turning. He's coming right to it, and, I, and I'm sitting there like Andy is. I'm going, shoot him, (laughs) shoot him, oh God, shoot him. I close my (laughs) eyes, you know, I close my eyes, he's bad close. He steps up on that dirt mound, and he's about three foot from that end of that gun barrel. (laughs) And he shoots him and blows his head off. (laughs) Kills him dead as a micro right there. I get up and the turkey don't even flop. I mean, he's dead. And I, go, I said, what are you waiting on? He said, Pablo, I couldn't see nothing but that fan until he stepped right up on that deal. Looked right at me. And he said he almost scared, he almost scared me to death. He almost didn't shoot him because he scared me. So he was sitting down he lower sitting than down you. Lower than, he couldn't see. He couldn't see nothing but the fan. But the turkey stepped up on the dirt mound and he's like, I mean, he's the gun barrel is right there, and he wow. sticks his head up, and he just he took his whole head off. That's, Usually, that kind of I've story never, doesn't end that way, does it? Usually, no, they miss. They miss, but he was so close and had that gun barrel. I, it's the first one I. I mean, he clean shot his head off. Wow! <laughs> oh, that turkey! I thought you were gonna say all I could see was his head. Like, uh, like <laughs> I didn't shoot because all I could see was his yeah, head. You know, but he's seen his head. Didn't he? They're turkey with no head. Ah, hey, Clay, you remember good. when you were a kid, you first, when, right when you first learned how to hunt, you started hunting with some of your buddies pretty close to here, you know, 10 miles or so. And uh, you came in one morning saying that uh, this bird came off the roost, sounded like a helicopter. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Did y'all kill that bird? Do you remember? No, we never did. <laughs> no, that that was the first time. It was when I first started hunting by myself. And so, you know, when you start hunting by yourself, you start noticing stuff you never noticed before. Because when you're being guided, you're, you're, you know, your mentor is interpreting the world for you, you know. But when you start hunting by yourself, you kind of start noticing stuff. No, we set up way too close. We heard a bird gobbling, set up way too close. and uh, But we're in there way before daylight. And so we were set up good, but we didn't know this gobbler had a bunch of hens with it. And we heard, I wouldn't have known it, but I heard, I heard several turkeys fly down. And, you know, I just, maybe it's one of the first times I'd ever been that close and heard turkeys fly down. And so I was like, okay, that's what a turkey sounds like when it flies down. And then the gobbler flew down and it was like, (laughs) 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 yeah, I I told dad, it sounded like a helicopter landing in the woods out there. And the turkey hit the ground and went the other way. And and we never even really were in the, in the workings for that turkey. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So I had a guy. I used to work with. He come down. I invited him down one time. We we were living on north of town at the time, so back in the mid eighties. No, that's not true because it had been probably nineteen, probably ninety or ninety one, probably. Anyway, he come down from up at uh, up around Ozark to hunt with me, and um, spent the night. We got up the next morning, and it was it was lightning and thundering and trying to rain. Just a bad bad morning. But we wasn't going to get a chance to go anymore, so we went out, out west, pulled the end of the mountain, walked all the way into the low gap in the mountain, and uh, when it got goblin time, it was kind of foggy. No, there wasn't nothing goblin. Nowhere. So I told Conrad, I said, let's walk out here east, and I said, we'll just kind of sit around a while and see what happens. And uh, anyway, <laughs> we got out there, and we sat out. We sit down side by side, and uh, I told him, I said, I'm going to call a little bit and see if I can get one to answer. So I called north, nothing, called again, and about that time, he's talking about them flying into you. There was three big jakes just lit, just like we're sitting right here. I mean, they just lit all around us right there. <laughs> I mean, within five yards. I mean, just three of them walking around clucking, you know, like that. And I was going, Conrad, shoot him, shoot him, you know. Anyway, to make a long story short, I wound up killing a turkey, you know, instead of him. He wouldn't mm. shoot. He couldn't get on him. So anyway, yeah, I'm telling you, he thought I was a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, little boy, they call him off a tree and make him laugh by you. have to gobble. Oh. Well, guys, we've uh, we've told some good stories. I appreciate everybody coming. Anybody, anybody got any closing thoughts here? Just one thought from the guy I used to hunt with, Greg Burns. You'll always remember the ones you missed or you didn't kill just as much. That's exactly mm. right. Probably more. And that's what he said. He said you'll remember them more than the ones you kill. I, I remember, think the last podcast, well, all, all the talking I'd done was turkeys we didn't kill. <laughs> yes. And that's the truth. You'll remember the ones that you did not get. Just I, as I much. think Greg ran into Ben Rogers Lee. He did. He told me that story. And I think Ben told him the story about a – Almost sitting on a rattlesnake That's that morning. That's the store, yeah. And over west. Yeah, west of <laughs> here. Yeah, pretty good west. place. Mm. And, but mm. yeah, 
Keep the wild places wild. Keep the wild places wild. Corey, are you go- are you hunting anywhere other than Arkansas this year? Uh, I don't think we're going anywhere this year. Paul Paul's not taking you somewhere. No. Come on, Paul Paul. I looked at it. We we went to Nebraska two years ago, and then we got a plan. We're going to go to Florida, and we're going to try and kind of work on our our Grand Slam. Okay. Somewhat. That's our that's our that's like me and him's future goal. Years. Yes, that's me and him's <laughs> yeah. goal is to do that together and. We're gonna stop. We're gonna go to Florida, and and I got a place in Mississippi we can hunt. So we're probably gonna stop on our way back and hunt in Mississippi. Mm. I took him to Nebraska, and then I went to Arizona. That was one of the. I went up and hunted the Indian Nations, you know, a couple of years ago in Arizona. Mm. And I, I tell you what, it, it was sleeting. That that was quite the memory right there. You know, that night we slept in a tent up there, couldn't hardly breathe. You know, the altitude was so daggum air thin. We had 40-mile-an-hour winds, and it was 32 degrees, you know, in that tent, flaps, flapping. But we heard 18 different gobblers. Wow. And the guys with he killed one, and I killed one about 9 o'clock. So. Killed them quick, huh? Killed them quick. And, you know, we come back to camp, and we had to drive like three miles. We could see Colorado from where we were up on top of that mountain and to get phone service. And we come back, and it was it was about 1 o'clock. And uh, it was supposed to be even worse. And we're sitting there, and I told him, I said, uh, we were going to take a nap, you know, and just rest. And I, I said, John, is there any reason we're not leaving here? We're going to get up in the morning. It's going to be 30 degrees, 28 degrees, and wind blowing. And he said, you know, you're right. We packed up and went to Gallup, New Mexico. <laughs> we got out of there. So. <laughs> uh, oh, hey, we got to end with a, a, a poacher story, Joe. Did, did you ever catch any turkey poachers? And now that wasn't your general job. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't your full time. With the game of fish, you know, I've I've got a, a couple of real good ones. It's just, <laughs> you know, now I can kind of I can talk about those. You know, this is long time ago. This would have been. In this the, is what we needed. This is the kind of energy we needed. Okay. A good poaching story. This is the late nineties. I would say probably about nineteen ninety eight. We were in county north of us. Hmm. And at that time, I was working with the Forest Service LEO. And he's since retired from there. And we got an information of a bait site. So me and my partner, we'd found this bait site, so we knew where it was at. We had real good information. But the problem is, is you had to walk a pretty good ways into it. And so we've made plans. You know, we knew this guy wasn't coming in there really anytime early. <clears throat> So the day that we decided we were going to go in there and, you know, and catch this guy, you know, it was season at this time. So we rode in there. I rode with the Forest Service LEO in the undercover vehicle. We get two miles from it. The vehicle breaks down. I'm thinking. Your government vehicle. <clears throat> it breaks down. <laughs> I think, great. You know, so here we go. He's coming in there. So I'm walking. Mm. So I take out walking. And I get probably within, I don't know, quarter to a half a mile, and I can hear a vehicle coming. So at this time, I take off running. And, you know, and I, I've got my shotgun. Now, are you, where are you running? You running? I'm running down a road. Towards it? Yeah, I'm running towards this vehicle because I knew Is it, it not was. coming your way? It was, but there was still enough distance that I knew he was coming. We knew which way you come from. Yeah. And he was coming into that bait site. So I'm taking off running, and he beats me to it. So I just back off a little bit and I beat give him, you to the bait side. Yes. He beat me to it, got his truck parked. 
and gets off down into his bait side. And I just pulled back a little bit and I thought, I'm going to give him time to get in there and get good and set up. So probably, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 minutes, I hear the freaking gun go off. Mm. I hear a shotgun go off. So here I take off in there running to him. And whenever he sees me, he sees me like, I can't believe this. The turkey's sitting there flopping. His gun's leaned up against a tree. And he looks around and he just takes off running. <laughs> and I mean, he just left all of it. And he just took off running. And I'm you like, caught him red-handed. Red-handed. And the that probably doesn't happen very oh, often, Oh, no, and the it? turkey's sitting out there flopping corn everywhere, feathers <laughs> flying everywhere. Here's his gun leaned up against the tree, and he's gone. You know, you couldn't have caught him if you'd have wanted to. And this is my, oh, maybe. But first. I mean, his truck's here. You oh, got yeah, this, this Oh, yeah, it gets good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're not done yet. So I thought, well, what am I going to do? So I'm going to holler at him. So I, I, I knew who it was. I said, well. You know, that's, that's fine. We know who you are. I've got your gun and your truck. You say this? Oh, yeah. You cause he, this. Yeah, because I know he's not out there. You know, maybe <laughs> 150 yards, but you couldn't caught him. I've done, went two miles and then ran into there. That. I'm yeah, out yeah. of, heck, I'm out of air by then. So, yeah. So, it's, I've got his gun and I've got the turkey. We come out of the woods to the truck. And by this time, the wrecker comes and picks our truck up. And I holler at him on the radio. So I said, well, come on down here. I said, drop our truck there and load his up. So we loaded <laughs> his truck up on the wrecker and hauled it to town. And I had the shotgun, the turkey, and then we impounded his truck. Mm. So we get up to the jail. And so so you just this, leave him in the woods. Oh, yeah. You know, I didn't know where he was. He's, he's in oh, shape. He can run. Yeah. He's, <laughs> yeah I guess and so. I can think of another story up there where you loved a turkey hunt. A guy hit the woods and caught him the next day, but that's a different story. <laughs> and so, and we knew he's going to come up there and we figured he's going to report his truck stolen. You know, that's the big thing. When mm. people flee, well, you know, someone stole my truck. I mean, truck. do you put a warrant out for their arrest? No, if no, they not flee? at that time. You know, we knew. We knew who his family was. We knew. Yeah, you we had knew all guy. about it. Did you have to take any pictures or anything? Oh of, yeah. yeah. So like a, when you had the turkey, had the gun. Oh yeah, like we you had all documented that. everything. And he came up there to the jail. You know, we figured he was going to report his truck stolen. And I said, "Why'd you run from me?" That was I wasn't going to give him you know, any any other. So question. he just walked in. Yeah, because we knew <laughs> like he turned would come, himself in. Well, yeah, because he's wanting his stuff back. Okay. He wants his gun, and he wants his truck. And, and his the turkey. first question, yeah, and his turkey, <laughs> which he didn't get that. And so my first question was, you know, not anything else, but why did you run from me? And then he, he said, I don't know. You didn't come up with some excuse. So then I knew he had it, you know, because he didn't deny it then. So he was caught then. Yeah. So it, later we went through court, and, you know, he was found guilty. And I think he actually played the case is what. Mm. You know, and what would have happened to that guy? Do you remember? That guy at that time, you know, he would lose his. I don't remember, you know, exactly what that My was. Meal. <laughs> there you go. I, like, I don't really remember what the case, mm. you know, adjudicated as. Yeah. But, you know, now he would probably. I don't know what baiting turkeys is now as far as, you know, the violation on that as far as points. Mm. But, you know, I don't know what tier it is or even. And it got to where I didn't work a, a lot of game and fish stuff. We worked yeah. more. My latter years, you know, just in last year, we worked more recreation. You know, I seen the transition from a lot of different stuff to worked heavy narcotics, Mm. and right into here, you know, you work more side by sides recreation. 
which yeah, recreational violations yeah, stuff. You know, lots of yeah. alcohol, but you know, I seen the transition from where you was fighting a lot of narcotics to where a lot of it's legal now. Hmm. You've seen a complete shift. Hmm. And but there's tons of stories. You know, if you ever want to do a story, because <laughs> I can talk about a lot of them now. You know, I can't. And before well, I, you want tell us the story about you were saying you had one that came to mind that somewhere close. Um, which as far as well, you just when you were talking, you looked at Andy and said, "Hey, I remember a story somewhere over by you." I know one that you might not remember. Uh, it was out <clears throat> west of town. I'd went out there scouting turkeys and heard twelve or fifteen turkeys like three or four days before season. And I went out there two mornings in a row listening. And Joe came in there the one morning when I was there, and he said, hey, Steve, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm going to be in here in the morning, opening day. I said, there's turkeys in here. And he said, no, don't come in here in the morning. I do remember that one. Mm. Yeah. He said, that guy's baiting them. And I said, oh, really? you got to be kidding me. There's turkeys everywhere. He said, that's why they're goblins. <laughs> no wonder. He said, don't come in here in the morning. He said, wait 10 days and then come back. And so I said, okay. We and got he some caught in- that guy. Really? We got some information on that one. I was I was with the Forest Service then, and a couple of people called me and said they found that bait. So me and another game of fish officer, we went in there, and we found it. And we came in there the next day, and kind of like you said, we got in there really, really early. And you know which one we're talking about <laughs> on this. And we looked this thing over, and we thought, you know, he's got to come up from this way. And so we just get set up there, and sure enough, you know, turkeys go to goblin, and what happens? He comes in the opposite way. And I heard something, turn around, looked at him, and he's looking right at me. Hmm. You know, and he just, and I knew who it was at that time. You know, and I'm sitting there with a rifle. He probably thinks you're a turkey hunter. He thought we were a turkey hunter. You know, and I'm sitting there with a rifle. You know, and once I, you know, announce who we are and everything, he's like, well, you know, I don't know what we, you know, I don't know nothing. <laughs> yeah. You know, basically he doesn't know nothing. And then I get consent to search his pouch. You know, it seems like, no, it's his backpack. Oh, I don't know nothing. And he gives me consent to search it. And I pull out the top of a corn sack. Mm. <laughs> and, then, and then it just, he just, it goes downhill from there. So, you know, he did, found, he, did he oh, admit yeah. to it? Yes. And then... We ask where he was staying, so we end up going on the west side over there, talking to his father. And about that time when we pulled up to camp, his father pulls up on the you know, side by side. Well, it was an ATV at the time, and a turkey on the back. You know, it was just, you know, and I'm sure they'll hear this, it was just, <laughs> a, it was just a hunch. And we said, we know you're baiting the turkeys, and you're just going to have to take us to where you killed that one. He just ducks his head, and he says, okay. You know, and he took us right to where he was baiting him, <laughs> where, he, where he killed him. And, and that's another story. We called the record. We impounded both of those side-by-sides and everything. And they were ATVs. But it was just a hunch because we knew it. He had done been baiting turkeys, so we knew that one had to be killed over And bait. you just came in and just said, I knew you did it. Take, yep. take me to it. Yep. That's like a good parenting trick. When Absolutely. you have a hunch, your kid did something, you just hit them hard and they well, confess. Well, that's that sixth sense. That sixth sense. <laughs> Especially in law enforcement. Yeah, you cut them open and see corn in their belly. It might be a hint. (laughs) Let me ask you this, Joe. Uh, Years years and years ago, uh, a friend of mine and I were hunting west of town here in a pretty popular area. A lot of roads go back in there. And we found a site 
uh, I don't remember us calling the game warden because it's probably old, but feathers everywhere. I mean, it looked like a hundred turkeys had been processed in there. I mean, you know, maybe fifty, but I mean, it just had. You know, it was like what, at the, the back of a is, camp or something. I think I remember that. Yeah, story. you remember me coming well, I home. Think, from, I think it was. Yeah, it was. It was in the eighties. Yeah, and it was. It was like a cul-de-sac where there had been a camp. Well, I don't know about that. This okay. was off in the woods. Okay. Now we might have come to a cul-de-sac, but it, y'all know where I'm probably talking mm-hmm. about. You know, there's a big chicken farm there, and you go over a hill, and I mean, there's just pig trails everywhere. And back in there, not very far from the main road, one of those main roads, uh, it just looked like a bunch of turkeys had been killed. You know, pretty substantial guy was with me, you know, and he's a pretty good turkey hunter, and he couldn't figure it out. It just looked like, you know, at least 25, 30 turkeys been butchered there, maybe 100. I mean, it was just crazy. Hmm. So I don't know why we didn't call. He might have called the game warden. I can't remember, but anyway. Have you ever seen a site like that? Where Not that like- much. You know, I interviewed a turkey poacher one time, and we knew he was a very early turkey hunter. And he said his favorite time to go, he'd get his wife to drop him off. He wouldn't leave the house till 10 o'clock in the morning. He said, if I can kill one, if I hear it, I'll kill it. If I can get a turkey to gobble, go ahead. Oh. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And he said, I'll kill it. And that's how he done it. He hunted in the middle of the day. You know, cause I wish I'd have known that years ago. I, I would never have gotten up at <laughs> you know, if you get you had you you drop you got a pretty good chance of killing it. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. for sure. And no you one's bet. out there. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, hey, you, that, you that, was a, that was a great, a great ending to our podcast. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate everybody being here. Ever need something for your home but don't have the cash or credit to pay for it? You can do that at Aaron's. Yep, you can rent to own appliances like washers, dryers, refrigerators, furniture for your living room or bedroom, even tech. Plus, Aaron's has great brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. Life's always changing. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. So check out your nearest Aaron's store or visit aarons.com to see what I'm talking about. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. Here's a simple but meaningful gift idea for your mom or grandparent who lives across the country. A digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pictures of all the things that they can't be there for, from family vacation to their grandkids' graduation. My parents are always asking for sports photos of my son who plays basketball. That A lot of the games, they aren't able to make it. It comes with unlimited storage and simple controls on the frame, so you can upload as many photos as you want, and mom can pick the perfect one. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, The Strategist, and Wired. I have an Aura frame, and so does Juju, my mom, and they love it. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BEAR. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com, promo code BEAR. Terms and conditions apply.